The Sport Industry Access Podcast, episode 73. What career skills do you need to be able to work in the sports industry? Welcome to another episode of the Sport Industry Access Podcast. My name is Ed Bowers and I'm your host. Out of interest, have you seen the new Education Sport website? I'd really recommend you checking it out because this year I've got a new free sports career course where I share with you from the last two years of my experience and share with you what the sports industry is looking for with regards to new members of staff to join their teams. Plus, I help you out with information about the employment process as well. So head to education2sport.com and go to the Start Here page and sign up today. Now, as always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who is a sports expert in a specific field in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in sports. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Baroness Tani Gray-Thompson. Tani is one of Britain's most iconic Paralympic athletes, achieving 11 gold medals in five Paralympic Games. Also during her career, she broke 30 world records on the track. After her athletics career, Tani has been involved in sport and physical activity by working with iconic sports organisations and governing bodies such as UK Sport. In 2010, Tani became a Baroness at the House of Lords, where she debates in Parliament about social issues in the world of sports. I can proudly say that I'm very humbled to have Tani as a special guest on the show. That's when today's episode, Tani will share her sports career journey and explain to you the core skills you need to be able to work in the sports industry. Tani, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Please can you share your sports career journey to listeners? When did it all start? Um, I started competing when I was 12 years old, back in 1982. So I played basketball, I swam, a bit of everything, wasn't very good at any of it. But really, from the age of 13, wheelchair racing was the sport I loved. And I just knew from that moment that that's the sport I wanted to do. So every decision I made was based around doing wheelchair racing, down to which university I went to, I went to Loughborough. And, and it was just really important to me that I, I was the best I could possibly be. Years of training before I got any good, lots of disappointments and ups and downs along the way. But uh, I went on to compete at five Paralympic Games and um, she retired 11 years ago, which is a really long time. Just going back, did you have a defining moment when you said to yourself, right, I wanted to be an elite athlete? Could you remember looking back now? Uh there were, there were a few points. I remember watching the men's GB team play basketball when I think I was about 15 and thinking, I want to play basketball for Great Britain, but I wasn't, I was really poor. Uh, watching Chris Hallam win um, the London Marathon. So he's a fellow Welsh athlete. That was like massively important for me. I remember saying to my mum, I think I was about 14, 15, I'm going to do the London Marathon one day. And she was like, okay, yeah, sure you are. And then I did it when I was 18. So there were lots of moments, but um, Seoul, which was my first games in 88, I won a bronze there in the 400. 
And I remember thinking, I, I want to be better. This this is incredible. This is such good fun that I want to keep concentrating. This, this is absolutely what I want to do. And then I did another four games after Seoul. In your opinion, what attitude do you need to be an elite athlete? You need to have determination, focus, a bit of resilience. You know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that people don't see in terms of the training, how boring it is, really. I mean, it's, it's there are bits which are very glamorous, um, but most of it's really dull. And in the winter, it's cold and you get covered in snot. So that's... Um, it, it, it's those things that the ability to push yourself really hard um, and to to keep, I guess, challenging yourself to be better. And and when you're injured or times are hard, it's pushing through that to come back and remember the times that are really good and really positive. Just from a sports science perspective, did you have any support with regards to a psychologist, physiotherapist out of interest? Yeah, we had a physiotherapist, um, sports psychologist, nutritionist. We also did a lot of testing in the lab. Um, so, you know, VO2 tests um, to, to look at our heart rate, oxygen uptake, um, sprint tests. Um, we also did a lot of work around building my racing chair. My race weight was 45 kilos. So it was really important to have a chair that was um, light and strong. So, um I think from being a young athlete, it wasn't just what you did in training. It was what you did, everything else around that as well. So we we had a lot of support to to help us be good. Out of interest, just looking back from 11 years ago, how have you seen sport or high performance develop now looking back from a sports science point of view? It's been interesting because, you know, a lot of the tests are are still quite similar. Um, You know, a VO2, uh, I used to love them and hate them. Because if you did a good one, it was amazing. If you did a bad one, it was horrible. Um, so a lot of that stuff, some some of that that really building block stuff is is still there. Um, some sports have have done a lot more field testing, which is um, kind of interesting and, and helpful. Um, but I, I guess some of the, the the important stuff is stuff that's been been around a while. It, but it's it's been able to access it, get the quality, the repetition. Um, and, and, and accessing it, which sometimes can be a bit harder these days than, than it used to be. How about the sports industry? Because that's one area I'd love to talk about with old athletes. How have you seen that grown from a sponsorship perspective or even fan engagement perspective? There's so much more media coverage of the Paralympics than there's there ever was when I was competing. Um, you know, a lot more um, tickets are sold to events. I mean, we used to joke that in, in Atlanta in 96, you couldn't name the crowd because um, I could see where my family were and all my competitors' family were. So, you know, to go to London um, where it was the sellout and, you know, the ticket sales in Rio were good. There is more sponsorship coming in, but it's not it's not huge. There's probably only a handful, maybe five athletes, Paralympians, who are earning good money. The vast majority, you know, are kind of ticking along. So that that's the next big step that comes with the media coverage is some of the sponsorship that that will come into it. Um, and I hope to see sort of big changes in the next couple of years with that. May I ask what inspired you to go into politics after your career? And did you have a plan of action? Um, yeah, I did. have. I mean, I started planning my retirement when I was 21 years old because and I retired at 38. So, you know, back then, you know, it, it, I, I wasn't sure saying that I was going around in, in circles or training was going to be that much use for my CV. So I did a lot of other things while I was competing in terms of building up some board experience and committees and, you know, just just did some temping work. And so when I retired, I knew what I didn't want to do. 
which I think is really important because when you retire, you can sometimes get off the lots of opportunities to do things and you, you rush into making a decision that might not be what's best for you in, in the long term. So, um, I, I did think about it and I actually started very seriously planning my retirement from about 2004 and I, I stopped end of 2006, early 2007. So I, I had kind of, several years, four years, where I, I really concentrated on that that next step because you're a long time retired. I was old as an athlete at 38 when I retired, but but that's still kind of young in, in the rest of your life. So for me, it was always important to, to think about those things and give myself the best chance. So actually, I did politics at uni, had no plans to go into politics, but then as time went on, became more interested and thought that you know, in, in politics, you have a chance to, to voice an opinion. And, and especially the House of Lords, it's it's an incredible place, which is very open. It's very collaborative, very collegiate. And, and you have the chance to, to make a difference in terms of changing legislation. May I ask what transferable skills you've applied from your athletics career into the current work you're doing in sports politics? Um, planning, preparation. You know, as an athlete, you spend a lot of time training for that big event that season. You know, you can spend sometimes days, weeks writing a speech that can be no longer than three minutes. That is your moment. You have three minutes to change the chamber's view. So hard work. You know, that, that moment when you're in a chamber and you win a vote and you change legislation, that's 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 like winning a Paralympic final. But actually, you spend a lot of time researching, reading, you know, just trying to prepare the, the best you can. So um, I, I think a lot of the time athletes don't realize what transferable skills they have. They have loads. They just don't always recognise them or they're not sure how to translate them into into work. Just relating to today's main topic, what career skills do people need if they want to work in the sports industry, from your opinion? The sports industry is massive. So, you know, you've got the fitness sector. So that could be from training to be a gym instructor, to an admin officer, to a coach, um, to business management, sports science. So it's, it's, it's huge in terms of the options that you've got in, in working in sport. I think it's important to kind of have an idea where you want to be. And with, with lottery funding and different things, you know, the opportunities change as well. So I think what you have to do is you have to care about it first. That's really important. And then it's the same things if you want to be an athlete. It's just work really hard at it and, and try and get experience, you know, try and shadow people, find out as much as you can about that sport that you want to work in. You know, there's there's some really good jobs, but there's not loads of jobs. So I think it's also being realistic about the the opportunities that that are out there. Absolutely. Just relating to what you're doing now, what have you been doing recently? Um, I've been doing a piece of work for the government on duty of care in sport, which has been about a two year piece of work, which was looking at concussion, traumatic injury, athlete pathway, doping classification. It's it's been a huge piece of work. My job wasn't to investigate individual governing bodies or to, to find fault with the system. My, my, my job was to, to find gaps and make forward-looking recommendations, which, which I did, because elite sport's amazing, uh, and it can give you so much. I mean, as a nation, we love athletes winning medals. It's really cool. But there, there are gaps in the system where I, I think, for, for everyone, whether it's coaches, athletes, whoever, they, we, need, we need to have more duty of care applied to them and, and think about not only as they go through, but what happens when they leave sport, because... They've got a lot to contribute. Um, we just need to give them the chance to do that. Tani, I find this really interesting, and I've actually read the report last night. Would you mind explaining to the listeners the education section in a little bit more detail? 
Yeah, so, you know, if you've got a child that's really talented at sport, you get picked up, you might get put on a regional squad or a, a junior national squad. And, you know, that's that's the concentration. And if if as a young athlete, you've got the chance of competing at the highest level, that's what you want to do. Um, and that's brilliant. But but I think education is is hugely important. My dad would be so proud I'm saying this, but and it it's it might be O levels and A levels and university, or it might be an apprenticeship, or it might be gym instructor's qualification. But you need to do something else in your life. Only two percent of athletes earn any money, um, and you know if you take out football and the professional sports, it's it's a really small number. So I, it's not just about what you do in transition. It's also having something else to talk about. I, I remember going to Australia for a few months, coming home, having dinner with my family and just raving about it. And after about 10 minutes, my dad said to me, have you got anything else to talk about? Because you're boring me now. I was like, oh, OK. So, you know, if, if you spend all your time with fellow athletes, you talk about sport. But but also it's it's important to think about other stuff. It's about reading newspapers, understanding the world, reading some books, you know, Education can be whatever you want it to be, but it's important to have a break from sport because also as you progress up the ranks, it becomes very um, uh, intense and and you need to have some escape from that. Tally, just on a personal note, what have you enjoyed the most from your career looking back now? Some amazing friendships and, you know, people who were there and supported me. I mean, yeah, winning medals. I mean, that's, medals are nice, but most of the memories are from from other things, from moments when you're stuck at an airport or, you know, it, it's things that are quite hard to articulate. It's, it's the camaraderie and the, the friendship that you develop with people that's that's really cool and, and quite exciting. That's so great to hear. Tani, I feel like we're at a great stage of the interview where I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. What advice would you give to university sports students who want to pursue a career in the sports industry? Just learn about not just the career that you want to go into, but about the sports sector, you know, there's professional sports, there's amateur sports, there's there's big ones, there's small ones. There are so many options out there. It's very easy once you've picked your degree to go down a, a narrow route. Um, keep your options open. Volunteer. Do, do learn other things, but get involved because sport always needs really good people. Absolutely, and I hope the listeners take that on board. Tani, how can people interact with you with regards to social media? So I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Uh, Twitter, I'm Tani underscore GT. Or, you know, you can even find me on the House of Lords website. Um, so, you know, you can always email me. We, we don't have very grand offices in the Lords. It's just basically me at my computer. But there's lots of different ways that you, you can get in touch. That is great. To all the listeners listening in, all those links will be on my website relating to this blog post. Tani, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Wow, what a fascinating career journey from Tani. And I really do hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. For me, this is why I love the work I do, is speaking to people like Tani who provide their point of view by providing advice where the sports industry can improve. And I think that's really important to highlight that from an employment standpoint relating to today's main podcast topic, there is clear indication that you need certain career skills in making a difference to the sports industry going forward. But most importantly, with regards to your application side of where you want to make a difference to the sports industry and hopefully listen to this podcast show, it's very broad. It's all about, though, how you can add value to this industry going forward, because at the end of the day, there are opportunities out there, but it's down to you and your own self-development to make it happen. So I really do hope you take on board what Tanya was saying and apply it to your career journey going forward. And good luck. 
Now, as always, at the end of each interview, I like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Tani said, just learn, not just about the career role you want to get into, but also about the sports sector. There is professional sport, amateur sport, big clubs, small clubs, and there are many options out there. But you've always got to be open-minded because the sports industry is always looking for good people. Thank you.